You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 141. Hey, guess what? That's a palindrome. Wow. Yeah, it is. Totally is. And that may come into play later. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about some very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, video games, kind of whatever catches our fancy for the week. My name is Harold Bottom, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite, Benjamin Dover. That's me. Apparently. Tonight, it is. Jimmy won't be joining us, as he's currently ankle-deep in feces, and planning his retaliation on the rogue squad of primates that flung said poo. Should he survive and not have his skull turned into an ornate beer stein by oddly alcoholic monkeys, he will no doubt recount his harrowing adventure and victory for us next week. You know, some of that's actually true, I think. But Oh, it's, it's all true. I just said it. Yeah, well, we are a podcast on the internet, and what's on the internet is true, therefore. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Without question. There you go. It is 100% true. This week, however, we're going to talk about a Netflix movie, The Old Guard, a Netflix series, Warrior Nun, and an oft-overlooked 1984 classic, Top Secret. Mm-hmm. So, spoiler, 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 spoilers. There might be some spoilers. Uh, uh, I'm thinking there may be some spoilers, because well, I'm I'm going to rant a little bit, and I may spoil some shit. Okay, well, you heard it there. Um, I would try to avoid them personally but if you have not watched warrior nun is what i'm guessing or the old guard spoilers there might be some don't get angry if you we have them so uh let's talk about news and rob seems to be covered in depressing news yeah god it was it was a depressing week actually um i think it was just yesterday that the news broke about grant imahara some of you may know Mr. Grant Amahara as the Asian host for Mythbusters. Yes. The robotics guy, right? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah, he did a lot of the uh, electrical engineering, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually passed away, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Apparently, he had a uh, brain aneurysm, I guess, a brain aneurysm that ruptured, and he passed away suddenly. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. He's... He's awesome. He was very personable online. He did a lot of videos. He was he created the the uh, robot skeleton for Craig Ferguson show. Oh, actually, really? Which is actually how I learned of him first. And then, of course, he was a huge Star Wars fan because you know he was a nerd. We're nerds. Star Wars kind of part of the thing. And he got to be one of the pilots, or I guess it's called a pilot for. Uh, the remote-controlled R2-D2 in some of the latest Star Wars movies. And it was a shock to see that news come across my thing. I I miss, I saw it late at night when it came through on my phone, and I was like, really? Like, I thought it had to be a car accident or something, but yeah, he was not old. No. No, he was not. He was only 49, actually. Yeah. 
Crazy. So, so more sad news. They did finally find the body of Naya Rivera. So she is confirmed deceased. And actress uh, and John Travolta's wife, Kelly Preston, passed away as well. Yeah, I, I did not really know. I mean, not that this matters, but I didn't really know Naya Rivera, like, of her work because I didn't really watch Glee. Uh, the Kelly right. Preston thing was a little weird but for me because the week that I had my honeymoon in the Bahamas was mm-hmm. basically the day that my honeymoon started was the day that John Travolta's son died in the Bahamas. Oh, really? Okay. So there was there was a little bit of a press kind of crossover as we were getting into the little airport. Um, if you've ever flown into the Bahamas, it's not a very big airport. And there was kind of like, like what is going on? Because, you know, it wasn't, you get off an airplane, you kind of don't have, you haven't had your phone on and it was a while ago. So it wasn't like, you know, there were still some data situations with iPhones back then. Um, so data was, like Star Trek data? Data like I couldn't use my iPhone in the Bahamas. Ah. Really the story. Maybe I'll just go back to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't use my iPhone. That'd be nice. Uh, but yeah, no, it was really sad. I feel bad for the family. I know there's been a lot of wackiness with the Scientology and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, but it was, uh, it was definitely a shock. She was also young and I guess she was, uh, just didn't want to, t- uh, she had breast cancer, I believe. For yeah. Two years. I, I believe that's what it was. And of course was in, uh, uh I know her, I liked her in Jerry Maguire. I think she was, I think she was in Jerry Maguire, wasn't she? There was some. There was something she was in along those lines. Um, uh, well, the the main character in Jerry Maguire was Renee Zellweger, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was in Jerry Maguire. I think she was like the manager or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, some sad news. That 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 will be all the sad news. I promise. But R.I.P. I'm I'm fairly upset about the Grant Imahara one because I really liked his episodes on. Uh, Mythbusters. Mm-hmm. He, I thought he brought a lot to the show, and I really enjoyed. Yeah. You've got a ton of video game stuff, but I'm going to start that off with my little video game situation here. Go for it. Uh, a couple days ago, there was a teaser that... Actually, it was a leak. It wasn't even a teaser. It was a leak that someone had taken a picture of... I took a leak. <laughs> Good for you. Uh <laughs> It was a leak that uh, basically someone had taken a picture of a Lego new Lego toy that it was like a box and it looked kind of like a Nintendo, so on and so forth. And then a video came out just yesterday that was of this Lego NES system, not playable necessarily, but it is it immediately brought me back because not only is it a cool little Lego NES that opens up, it has a cartridge that looks exactly like the cartridge for the game system. It's no got a shit, contr- really? A, yeah. Oh, it's got a controller that is exactly the same size as maybe within a few millimeters, but as the Lego controller, it's got the cord, and it has a TV that's actually one of those old-style wooden TVs, like the wood box with like the, the dial, and the back of it even has the, the yellow and red cable hookups. Like, basically, the TV that all of us played Nintendos on in mm-hmm. the 80s and early 90s and it looks exactly like it wow. on the on the screen of the tv mm-hmm. it has what looks like mario brothers like it looks like a scene from mario brothers and i saw a couple different pictures and it looked like different scenes from mario brothers super mario brothers and mm-hmm. i was like oh cool you can swap it out i thought it would be one of those things like a 
where you could slide in the new picture like from the top or something. Right. But it turns out it's like it's basically between two like reels and it actually you can crank a little handle and the scene actually moves. Oh, wow. That's cool. So like, yeah, like I thought about this when I was a kid used to make like a little TV with two paper towel rolls and you'd like twist it and the paper would go around. It's like that in the Mar and you twist it and it'll move and you can actually move the little Mario guy using like a little clear handle Mm -hmm. and make him like jump and stuff. And yeah, it's really cool. It's, um, you know, it totally brought me back and like, I was trying to think of things that immediately bring me back to my childhood. And a lot of stuff is like, well, you know, Star Wars does, you know, obviously GI Joe does and there's certain things about it. But like the aesthetics of just the Nintendo system and the controller and like the that that dark black with like the gray like ovals that were on the controller. Right. Just is like looks so modern and futuristic, but not and my boy is offering yams to the French Bulldog outside. Yeah. But well, there, uh, there were no ovals on the on the Nintendo. No, like it was like that little like I don't know, the, the it has those little lines on the controller. It, well, the the control the Nintendo controller was a rectangle with a black rectangle on the inside. The outside rectangle was gray, and then yeah. it had a black rectangular face just inside. It was like a picture frame, and then mm-hmm. you had the little cross and the two little red buttons. Yeah, but it had um, just the the look of that, and I still remember like that poster that came with the NAS when you got it, and it had all the games that were available, and you just would like look at it and be like, I want this one and this one and that one, and like, man, seeing that that set, I was like, I, this has to happen. Um, it is going to be $229, but it is 2,646 pieces. So that's actually a pretty good deal, though. Um, that's, it is that's some quality build time. Yeah, it's pretty interactive. Apparently, if you get the little robotic Mario guy or the electronic Mario, mm-hmm. you can sit him on top of it. It's for a different set that play like you can play Mario Brothers. Uh, you can sit him on top of the TV, and as you crank it, it will actually play the music from the game. And when you jump on the different like characters and collect coins and stuff, it will make the sound. I don't know how it oh, does it, neat. but it will. Yeah. That's neat. Well, speaking of Super Mario, we actually just had a new record set for the highest selling video game. Any Ooh. guesses as to what that game was? Well, since you just said it, and I'm looking at the notes. <laughs> that is correct. Right, uh, E.T. No, you are you are wrong, sir. It was, in fact, Paperboy. an un- it, it is, in fact, a copy of an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers. It was sold at auction. And I guess what it was is it was kind of a rare copy. Copy. It was kind of a rare copy in that it was the it was the packaging like right when they started using the shrink wrap, but they hadn't switched over their packaging yet. So it still had the 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 tag on the box to allow it to hang, I guess. So it was it was. Uh, Unique original packaging, so to speak. Which was why it sold for $114,000. Dear Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's I a little just, crazy. I'm looking at that right now. Is there anything that you would want that's like that? Like a product that's rare? I mean... No. I mean, not, and, I wouldn't have been that much for here I am not wanting to open the G.I. Joe characters that I got because I'm like, oh, the collector in me doesn't want to open them. And I'm like, you know what? F it. I'm I'm already old enough that by the time they're worth anything, I'll be gone. <laughs> if you keep on showing them to me while we're podcasting, I might murder you and take them myself. So Excellent. 
then you'll be gone sooner than that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I really, I mean, this was expensive back in the day, but I would really want that aircraft carrier, the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, but. Oh, yeah. There's a couple old Lego sets that I miss. And like they're, in retrospect, they're lame based on the sets that came out now, like the Star Wars one. But some of the, some of the old Lego sets, if I could find like unopened box versions of like the blue space sets or the the Blacktron space sets, I would Mm -hmm. go for that. Oh, speaking of which, I haven't checked on it. Do you know how the Gilder Frontier set is doing? Uh, we haven't actually talked about that on the show. Oh we, oh, we haven't talked about that on the show? No, we didn't. We actually we put it up on our Instagram. There is a Lego set, the Gilder Frontier. Let's. Uh, I want you to do the next little bit of news, and I will find the... Um... Okay. So we'll we'll stick with video games then. Apparently, Ubisoft has released some information about their game Skull and Bones, which was kind of a a ship battle game. I think what the what the ship combat in Black Flag was based off of um, in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it had been delayed several times. It was in development hell. It was, it's been delayed like three consecutive years. Um, but they're they're essentially rebooting it, and apparently they're switching it from like an open world concept with like customizable ships and PvP and co op play, and a static world where you do like missions and stuff to a live storytelling mode. So basically, the environment that you play in will change continually depending upon the actions of the community. And I think they kind of took a little bit from Fortnite because I guess Fortnite yeah. did something similar to that. Um, but they're also leaning with a heavier focus on collaboration. So there'll be a lot more teamwork involved. And that I guess isn't, is they're claiming is in an attempt to appeal to groups other than the competitive action fans. So games that are just strictly PVP, they're trying to draw in people who aren't as enamored with PVP, like, like myself. And I think like you also, Greg, right. You're not all that into PVP. either. I hate it. I won't yeah. go on. If it's an online game where someone can shoot you, it's not fun for me because I will. I'll spawn, die. I die, spawn, die, then I'm done. Yeah. It is, it's it's not fun. And I don't know how these people have that much time to kill me when they're constantly having sex with my mom. It, well, I know, right? So the Gilder Frontier, this, okay, guys, the this is, uh, you have to do this. Uh, Lego Ideas is basically a website. It's owned by Lego, and you can basically vote on upcoming sets. Uh, the friend set came out of it. The, uh, the Tron set came out of it. The Ghostbusters back to the future. A lot of the pop culture sets, as well as there's a really cool, like old fisherman's high, uh, fishing store that looks all cool and old. Just, it's really neat. Well, anyway, they put out a, someone put a set on there called the Gilder frontier, which is basically a little, it's like a princess bride theme set. It's round and it tell, shows different scenes of um, Princess Bride, as well as it has um, a lot of characters and a Lego uh, rat of unusual size. Oh, I so want that. Yeah, the Gilder Frontier also has, uh, you know, there's, if you know the movie very well, um, unlike Rob, basically, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it has the the little bar that he swings on during the, what's, is that battle actually have a name? The fencing duel or uh, the the duel on top of the cliffs of insanity basically yeah so it has like the little bar that he swings on it's got two cups for the the little conversation poison challenge thing um it is wits. yes see they, all these all these things have uh names uh, it currently has uh, 4,500 supporters 
which is awesome because it only needs to basically double that and a little more because it needs to get to 10,000 and it has 555 days left. That's actually a pretty good clip. So go out there, look up uh, Princess Bride Gilder Frontier uh, Lego, and you'll see a thing. You can support it. You don't have to give any of your information, I don't think. And No, I don't believe so. You just um, Essentially, I think you end up just having to create an account. Yeah. And you can do, you know, you can do that. And, uh, it's cool. Cause like there are some really neat sets on there and there will be there. You will find some very random sets on there, like stuff that will never get built, but very well done, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. the breaking bad meth lab. Like, well, that's not <laughs> happening, but it looks good. Like, yeah, I didn't make that up either. But, please, okay. please go on there and, and vote for the Gilder frontier. Cause I need that set. Yeah. And while you're at it, you should go and find our link for the, uh, the or best podcast in Orlando and vote for us there. Oh yeah. Which are, I think we're still in the running for that. Aren't we? We are. So it's uh, Orlando weekly and you can find it on all of our pages and stuff. Excellent. Okay, cool. I think we should move on. Okay. From the I news. have, I have one more side note, but I think oh, that'll okay. fit. Well, that that'll fit. I think when we're doing one of the topics. Okay. So we can hold on to that. I'll come back to that. Okay. Uh, oh, God damn it. More Florida people doing weird shit. Well, yes and no. Ooh. Did you click on that link? I did not. You should click on that link because it's time for WTF or Welcome to Florida, where that's I right. You should click on that. Oh, my God. Not only are the people in Florida insane, so is the wildlife. This is a story that happened in Miami about a man who was riding on a bike path only to have an iguana essentially attack his bicycle and get caught up in the spokes. He got rolled up the tire, got caught in the little spot between the wheel and the frame, but it locked up the wheel and it sent the man flying over the handlebars. He was, he was hospitalized with like minor injuries and whatnot. It didn't turn out so well for the iguana. He's cradled by the front caliper brakes. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't turn out so well for the iguana. I think the the story said he was in significantly less okay shape. <laughs> wow, that iguana is twisted. Like, yeah, the condition of the iguana does not appear stable. That is, that is uh, not a pleasant looking iguana. I'm guessing the iguana is dead. There's a big problem with iguanas down there, man. Yeah, there is, and they're they're migrating north, dude. They're, they're big. Like, yeah, I've been to a couple things that. Um, like you want to be walking down the street and there you you're used to florida lizards and then you turn and there's an iguana the size of like a house cat because all yeah. these like all they these idiot huge. college kids for the most part it was a bunch of idiot college kids that got like iguanas and then they graduated and they had these iguanas that were still alive and they're like well uh, it's florida let's just release them and they thrived and you know on on cold well, days I, the iguanas will fall out of trees and stuff i i think i think there's also been um issues like where hurricanes have destroyed exotic pet stores or whatever. And, mm. and they've had lots of them escape and whatnot. And so yeah, there was, well, there's a, well. Major, there was a major problem. At least the ones I know of were um, on the, like around and on the uh, FAU UF or FAU and PBCC campus. Mm-hmm. That's where like, I first started seeing them and now they're yeah. like all up and down the road, but it's, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they're well, big and they're they mean. They don't really have any natural predators either. Do they not here in Florida? Uh, bicycles apparently. <laughs> well, I, I'm fairly certain that that one just decided to end it all. I, don't, I I think that was a suicidal iguana, and he was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. Well, 
there are they actually do have natural predators as iguanas can be considered a delicacy and i think we talked about this on the show where i was talking to that woman that works in customs mm-hmm. and she said that like every so often she'll catch people with like bags full of iguanas that are like frozen because you don't want them to die before but apparently they taste like chicken so hmm. so go out there and eat some iguana in your midnight quesadillas uh-huh. see what i did there just pull it off the bike. Yep. Ugh. Okay, it is time to get into some topics. We do not have Jimmy here. We do not have Jimmy here. But whatever we, we shall act- we do, we actually have both watched all of the things. I think you watched Little Guard. I'm sure I did. And you watched Warrior Nun. I did. Okay. Well, there you go. Have you made it all the way through Warrior Nun? I did. Uh, two nights ago. So, I think we should start off with the old guard. Okay. Because it's kind of like a movie, and then we'll do Warrior Nun. So, okay. And I can uh, handle the opening here for the old guard. Uh, The old guard, it came out on Netflix uh, July 10th, 2020, directed by, I believe, a a first time action director. And I think that makes sense, or I think that's awesome because um, it's a well directed action movie for the most part. It really is, actually. Uh, Gina Prince Blythewood or Blythewood, uh, starring Blythewood, I believe. Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. and that's all I really need to know because Charlize Theron is awesome in action movies. Oh, so that's all I needed to see. I didn't. I knew nothing about it. Uh, Kiki Lane, Matthias or Matthias Schoenarts, Marwan Kanzari, and Luca Marinelli. Marinelli, sorry, Marinelli. Marinara. I I could do some marinara sauce. Mm. Uh, Synopsis, a group of mercenaries, all centuries old immortals with the ability to heal themselves, discover someone is onto their secret and they must fight to protect their freedom. Uh, Let's go with your initial thoughts. I I actually really enjoyed it. I I thought it was really well acted, really well direct. I mean, but with Charlize Theron, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, partial. Um, It's kind of the old story. It's kind of the old story. The... um, the soldiers slash warriors slash defenders of people or whatever, you know, come up against a, a bad guy and who wants to either abuse them or, or, you know, use them or take advantage of people. And the, you know, the, the group of mercenaries or warriors steps in to stop it. It did have the little new twist with the whole, with the whole immortal thing and that the immortals were actually in danger. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. So, well, I don't know if this is the initial thought, but it's something I did want to bring up. Have you noticed, like, I had no idea this was coming out. Neither did I. I, I literally, the only reason I knew it was there was because I turned on Netflix and it was on the title page. I was like, and, oh. And that, that's what I was getting at. So this is Netflix and Prime and all of these things are really changing the way things are marketed because... And it's not just because we're all stuck at home because these I things think that helps though. It does. But if you even look back, there are so many other things that all of a sudden came out and you're like, that we had no idea it was coming out. And then it's like, Oh, I guess we got to watch this. Like even, you know, the thing where with uh, Will Smith and the ogre cop, like I had no idea it was coming out until it showed up on the top mm. of the screen, but you turn on that thing. And that, that, that splash screen has to be some of the most effective advertising this side it, of right? that. I think it was. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
this side of like somebody tweeting about a freaking Popeye's chicken sandwich, like the most effective ad. Cause you log on, you're like, what am I going to watch tonight? Boom. That one ad that scrolls like four times. Mm, don't um, get me started on, on social media. But, well, this that's not even social media. Like that, this is just, you know, like going on there. I'm like, I'm amazed at how something goes from no one knows it to everyone's watched it. People are now talking about it. And we can mention social media here, I guess. People's mentioning on social media, like uh, people mentioning it in our chat room, which you could access if you become a patron. Patron. Oh, yeah. It's $5 a month. You too can chat with the likes of me and Rob. I guess Jimmy, if you want. The And all of the other fun listeners that tell us all these cool things that we could watch. The um, Pooh Ninja. The Pooh Ninja. I think that's but, what we're going to call Jimmy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it's 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 changing everything. Um, but that you know, about back to the actual show. Um, really good. Like I said, Shalise Theron is a great action star. Um, you know, we kind of we knew that after Atomic Blonde and and uh, where's some of the other action movies? I know she's been in a couple things. Um, she's she's really adaptable. She's played you know serial killers plays, and dramas. She's played she even stuff. plays a good villain. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, in uh in uh the uh, two the Fast and Furious movies. Wasn't she also the evil queen? Yeah. In one of the Snow White movies? Uh, maybe. But I think it was, she's terrifying in the in the Fast and Furious movies, which apparently mm-hmm. I like better than I really like to admit. But um, hmm. So just a couple little things here with this. It is based on a graphic novel. Uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't know that until I was doing Yeah, I think it's – uh, I don't remember if it was Warren Ale- or Greg Rucka maybe. Um, and I had heard of it. I did uh, – didn't actually read it, but I'd heard of it. Um, it did, of course, hit number one on Netflix because, you know, new action movie, movie, mm-hmm. quali- you know, movie theater quality, although it was With never supposed else to be to in watch. the theater. Yeah, and it was never supposed to be in the theaters. It was purchased for Netflix, but it is of movie theater quality. Um, and did you, and the villain is just disgusting as you wrote. I saw you write that down. Yeah, um, but he was so good. Yeah. He would, I, oh my God. God, the the guy who played the villain, and th- this is one of the things I loved about this movie. The guy who played the villain was so convincing. Did you, rec- hate- did you recognize him? I did not, but I hated him, and I wanted to punch him in his smug, weasley little face. But did you recognize him after I said who it was? No. Oh, that's Dudley Dursley. No, sh- oh my God, you're right, it is. With a lot Holy less weight. Crap. Yep, as soon as I, my mind. as soon as I saw it, I was like, he looks like someone I know and hated before. And I'm like, who is that? Who is that? And I was like, so I looked him up and I'm like, it all came back to me. Yeah. It's the, it's the, well, I guess the, the fat little kid that was Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Harry's cousin. Yep. Holy shit. You just blew my mind. Yeah. That's totally him. And now that you say that, I see it. I'm like, Oh my God, it is. Mm -hmm. Wow. God, he made such a good... Vi- I wanted to punch him in the face. That's oh. like the second role. Like, I feel bad for that dude. He's probably always has people wanting to punch him in the face. But he... he I mean, he played the role so well. Mm-hmm. So well. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I thought this was really good. There was some, some pretty cool action sequences. Um, I like that they took this idea of the you know, what would it be like to have a 
group of warriors that basically was going around and helping the good guys win multiple wars whenever they could. It's just like, you know, top secret cabal of like people that couldn't die. Mm -hmm. But they also played around with a little bit. Like I thought that the, uh, the dude that was like tortured because, you know, he was put in the iron coffin and basically thrown in the ocean. She, she, sorry. Yeah, I guess she, yeah, it was a she, sorry. I was, yeah, well, and that's that's one of the things that I did like was that they 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 talked about how, you know, immortality isn't necessarily all that it's cracked up to be, especially if you're if you're a so that the situation is is if you're immortal and you die and you come back and you 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 know, you always come back, what happens if you're stuck in an iron maiden and then thrown in the ocean? Mm-hmm. Um well, it's it's pretty much just as awful as you can imagine. You drown come back to life, drowned again, come back mm-hmm. to life, drown again. That for eternity. It's like holy crap, that would be terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Right? And like so I thought that was a really cool it's not, not necessarily a twist, but just a it's understanding your characters and understanding the theme that you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Cuz when especially when you're doing something where there are, you know, people are tired of it. Like, I just want to die already. Let me die kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really good. They, um, the, the villain, basically we mentioned he was terrible, but he basically is one of those that, uh, they're trying to harness the power of that. Right. Right. He's, he's a, he's a, uh, pharmaceutical CEO or whatever. And he's trying to basically put it into a pill form so that he can sell it. And instead of just being happy with working with them, he wants to imprison them and find their secrets so that none of his competitors can do the same thing. So he want he basically wants to just prison them, imprison them, torture them, and keep them locked up all the time. So and just take their blood and yeah. right, just keep checking, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Geo Four was in it and kind of a he was uh, he was Before also he an antagonist, but. He was a CIA agent that was, he was both a villain and a good guy. He was pretty sympathetic. Um, and that kind of worked itself out, which I was happy with. He was a villain by association. He was, he was the guy that was tricked into doing something that he didn't realize the villain was actually going to be doing. Yeah. So he, he basically helped find him and all of that stuff. But you know, there's, there's, there's goodness, there's goodness there and he helps out. And so. Yeah. And uh, so we're, I, that's I don't want to ruin too much about this. Um, I we did kind of start talking at least a little silly idea I had, and we kind of talked about it in the chat just a little bit of just trying to like pinpoint down some of the favorite things and least favorite things about some of the stuff that we watch. Mm-hmm. And it could be, you know, honestly, you could say I liked everything about this, and if you and if you didn't like it, you know, if you're like, oh, everything about this was great and nothing sucked. Okay, cool. Um, so the reason this was actually one of the reasons why this movie was why I had that idea. Cause I thought one of the things this movie did really, really well was that show. So this would be something I loved about this. Mm-hmm. I loved that. They showed how, how long these people had worked together. These, the old guard, these immortals mm-hmm. had worked together right. the way they fought together. And I thought that like, you know, the one would flip the other one over the other one already had the shotgun ready and would blast them or would flip the shotgun to him. And they had yeah, the, the fight scenes were amazingly choreographed. Yeah. And it was like, oh, these people have been doing this for 500 years, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, 
And I thought that was a really good way without them having to say ever say to somebody that stupid line of like, well, we've worked together for 500 years. You know, they don't right. have to do it. You can just like the one person is done with their bullets and immediately has in in the air. Their friend has already tossed them a, a clip. Right. And they and they I love I loved how they kind of like hinted at like really how long they've been doing it and how old they are. When they were like, oh, what about such and such in in 89? And she's like, no, more like such and such in 34. And the yes. new girl goes, 1930, what happened in 1934? And she looked at her and smiled and went, 1834. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, oh, that was good. I like what, that. Yeah, what happened there? Oh, just watch. It was awesome. That was, that was a great sequence. Um, the only thing that I didn't necessarily like, and this is more of a budgetary situation. Mm -hmm. um, I did think some of the sets were a little generic and i again i think it's budgetary because there was a like the the modern money went to cg they did a lot of cg yeah true like the modern office building where they were doing some of the the tests and stuff like that like for a while and this could also be because i just had watched our next movie or our next tv show right before mm -hmm. where there was also a similar type building mm -hmm. um doing like tests on people um there was a little bit of a you could tell that it was just like well let's just film here it wasn't sets built for the actual right. thing. So it's just a little, that part was a little uninspired, but that was of course me just being stupid and picky. But for the most part, I could not find too much that I disliked. Right. And as far, as far as I go, the, I mean, I, I, I talked about it already. I mean, aside from Charlize Theron, the, the thing that I loved about this was I, I really felt that the villain made this movie. I thought he did such a good job. And I mean, just, just the kind of guy that you love to hate and man, he was so good. Um, one of the things that I probably would have liked to have seen done a little bit differently is the, basically the, and, and they may be limited by the story or what they plan on doing with it. And it, it may come to fruition for the next, but it's very obviously set up for a sequel. Mm -hmm. Um, but the martyrdom basically of the main character with without her actually becoming a martyr. Yeah, it was close. Does, does that make sense? Like dying, but not yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, so, I know what you mean. We're trying we're trying not to spoil is basically yeah. what's happening here. But yeah, I know what you mean. I can see yeah, that. Where so, yeah, like it took it did take a little bit of the emotional blow out of it. Right. It it seemed a little cheap to me. But mm -hmm. other than that, I, I mean, I really enjoy this movie and I would definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something to watch, definitely check out the old. Girl. Yeah. It did. It did have a conclusion. It was not quite as bad as some of the other recent things we've talked about that were definitely set up for sequels and didn't decide to actually finish a real movie. Yeah, um, no, no. It, it definitely finished the movie, but it was like one of those Marvel um, post credit scenes. Yeah. So they 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 set up like a Marvel post credit scene and opened it up for the sequel. They basically mm -hmm. set up the sequel. The um, the director of this, Gina Prince Bythewood, actually it was announced either yesterday. I think maybe it was yesterday. It might have been today, but I think it was yesterday. Gina Prince Bythewood has signed on to direct another movie about the Kingdom of Dahomey's all female warrior unit, and the movie is going to be called The Woman King. And it's set to star Viola Davis and Lupita Nyong'o. Ooh. That would have been a very bad time for me to go, huh, you said unit. I, I think. did. Huh, but you did say huh. unit. So. But yeah. Not it's, out um, anything was a lie. That's interesting. It, reading a little bit. I, I mean, definitely check it out. I mean, there's not a whole lot of information out there yet. But I mean, Viola Davis and Lupita Nyong'o, I'm, I'm in. 
Yeah. And the, the director's already shown a an ability to direct a decent movie. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Interesting. That is a historical thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Interesting. I will check that out. When it randomly shows up on Netflix or maybe in the theaters, uh, mm-hmm. and no one has said anything about it, and then it becomes the number one watch thing in America in one day. Uh, so let's move on to something that I... I found, uh, well, it wasn't hard to find because, again, Netflix, giant banner. Uh, the other day I was logging into Netflix about a week ago or so to watch uh, The Floor is Lava with my child and my wife. Every night we watch mm-hmm. one episode before bed. And Excellent. and as I was on there, there was this thing that said Warrior Nun. And I was like, child, wife, I'm going to need you to leave me for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Approximately <laughs> 10 hours. Oh. I, have, I have something I need to do. This has to happen. Yeah, like now. No, uh, Warrior Nun, uh, it is, let me go to our notes here. Uh, it came out on, so I guess it was uh, July 2nd. So I did start watching it over 4th of July weekend on Netflix, of course, uh, starring Alba Baptista, who looks a whole lot like uh, Ellen Page. Yeah, she does. There was there was somebody else that I thought she looked a lot like. She looked a, she looked like a young. Um, oh, I was telling Jen, and we figured out who she looked like, and now I can't remember. Punky Brewster. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it was just her mannerisms that I was like, oh, uh, man, she, yeah, yeah, and what? So yeah, it stars stars her. She's a um, this is her first American feature. She's an actress from. Uh, uh, She's a Portuguese actor, actress. Uh, I think so. I, can, I actually thought that, I mean, she's too too old, but I thought she'd be awesome in like a Last of Us movie if they decided to make a movie for Last of Us. But Oh, yeah. But The Last of Us is actually, she's supposed to be 14, but that was Shane Judges, but I thought she'd be good. Uh, Emilio Sacraya, Lorena Andrea, Christina Tonteri Young, Tanya Turner, a bunch of people that we probably have not heard the names of, but um, all of them are very exotic looking, um, which is good because this movie is set Pretty much entirely, I believe, in Spain, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful scenery throughout the movie. So it is uh, a story, basically, I'll just read the synopsis here. After waking up in the morgue, an orphan teen discovers she now possesses superpowers as the chosen halo bearer for a secret sect of demon-hunting nuns. I was in from the title, but Mm -hmm. the synopsis is even better. And and I really like these kinds of stories. I I mean I I read that whole trilogy by Mark Lawrence, The Red Queen's War, uh, Red Sister, Gray Sister, Holy Sister. Um, reminds me a lot of that. I really liked that trilogy, and I really enjoyed this series too. Mm-hmm. So, what are your initial thoughts, just in in general? Um, they they did a great job of of making the main character likable. I, I've I've seen things where the main character, you know, really wasn't that that uh, interesting or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But she's she's so I, I, the the best word I can think of for it is adorable because you you feel for her. She she generates the right feelings that you want to have for your main character, and the inner uh, monologue really helps. With oh, that. I, I love that, and because th- there'll be times where where she's like it's almost like a narration kind of thing and the the character on the screen is like not moving her lips and you can hear her inner thoughts and then all of a sudden she'll say something and then it'll be like 
oh god did i say that out loud and yeah, because she's she's very uh, innocent, and she like meets a guy, and she's like, you know, I don't remember the exact things, but she's like, don't say something dumb, don't say something dumb, and then she'll say something dumb, and she's like, oh, god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so basically, she she is dead, and mm-hmm. she she starts the show dead, and the warrior nuns break in, and she basically gets implanted with this magical halo. And the halo brings her back to life. But before she was dead, guess what? She was a quadriplegic. Which, yeah, which le- which comes out at either end of the first episode or maybe. Yeah, yeah I think it's like, it's, it's early, but it's not super early. But, um, but yeah, so the, the halo also healed her. So not only is she dealing with actually being alive again, she's also dealing with, hey, I can walk and move and do stuff now. And it's all about her coming to grips with, what she's been given as well as being able to do the things that she's never she's because she's been paralyzed since she was what seven i think, I think they say 15 years maybe something like that she she was paralyzed very young mm-hmm. and and had been in a home or whatever and died and yeah so but it, it's it's all about her inner struggle with who she is, who she wants to be, and dealing with the responsibility that she's been given. And I like, I really liked that they let... It was 12 years, sorry. 12 years, okay. I really liked that they let that kind of breathe, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. where she actually had a chance to experience and and figure out what she wanted to do. It wasn't like one of these stories where, where she's like, Oh, well I've been given this power. I have to do this. You know, it's like, and she, she kind of rebels a little bit and I really, it, it really made her more of a real character for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my initial thought was I, when I saw the word warrior, none, I was like, Oh, that's funny. That's like that comic book that I, I didn't own it, but I remember it. That's exactly what it was. And it was, but I was shocked that they made this, into a TV show because this, this was from a comic in from 1994 and it was controversial then. And that's before everyone got all pissed off at everything because it was a warrior nun, but it was the era when every single comic book character had to have giant boobs and the V neck shirt and the nipples that were always hard. Um, My nipples are hard. They are. I can see them. And you're wearing a V neck and oddly enough, a nun's habit. Weird. I don't know how I feel about that. Habit. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I feel about that. It's not com- not a comfortable situation to be watching him on webcam. Um, some people pay some people pay twelve ninety nine a month for that sort of situation. But uh, no, so it was it was a comic. It's uh, it was back in you know the comic boom days when everyone was you know trying to out gore and out crazy and out big event type comic. Um, the guy's name is Ben Dunn. He was a um, he was born in Tokyo, but he um, published the comic out of Canada, and he had a, a very big ma- manga style. The comic covers are, I mean, if you get over the fact of just how like racy they are, they're actually really good covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is interesting is that one of the reasons I was like I'm surprised they made this into something was because it had complaints on both sides of the spectrum. So like the Catholic Church was pissed that the nuns were dressed sexy and the people on the other side were pissed off that the nuns were considered heroes. And it was like, well, how are you going to like, if, if that gets out, how are you going to find that audience that is, you know, it's very, it's limiting the audience a lot 
but they did a really good job of toning it down. He actually, um, he wrote that the reason he did that was because nipples sell. And, uh, <laughs> and he put them in loincloths yeah. because it was for mobility. Um, but he, he did re- ultimately say, uh, perhaps I did go a little too far in those earlier issues. So I thought that was kind of a funny little reveal. Um, I did like what you said. I liked the, the inner monologue specifically. I liked mm-hmm. the action sequences. I, I like the overall story and the way, and that, how the monsters revealed themselves and that the special effects largely went towards pushing the story along. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the, the red ghostly smoky stuff. I thought yeah, that the was cool. Demons. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool thing. Um, they did not pull any punches when it came to the halo being inserted into her back. No, that was cool too. I like that. That device that removed it from the, so basically the, the opening is very similar almost to like a green lantern where she's, I mean, She's dead, basically, or she's dead in the Green Lantern. He's dying. And this, like, warrior nun comes in, about to die. They take the halo from her using this device that, like, <laughs> like... Warrior is about to die. Yes. Needs food. <laughs> they they use this device that, like, perfectly latches onto the halo and pulls it out. And it was so... It was, like, gory and gruesome, but really satisfying to watch it, like, lock in and twist. And pull this yeah, thing out of her back. It was like, oh, that's that's neat. I like that. It was cool, but it looked painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did that. And then they, of course, put it in the, the body of this, this dead girl. And so I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting the way she had to, like, avenge her death because you find out how she died uh, in mm-hmm. there, which is kind of interesting. And, and the little boy. Um, so I thought... Overall, it was pretty good. There was a few moments that I kind of, my mind kind of wandered uh, somewhere in the middle. There's a couple episodes I had to go back to because I was like, I don't remember at all what happened in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I think, a little bit when some of the action pulled away. And you're like, what? What? And like, there's the episode where they focused a lot on this por- that portal they were trying to make. Right. Okay. But, um, oh, and I mentioned the effects that I thought, I thought the effects were really good for a, a smaller show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, as I mentioned, that they were really good at pushing the story along. When she's doing the the practice on walking through the wall, and then when she actually is walking through the wall, because the Halo gives her some special powers. Right. I thought that was a really cool way of doing it. It made, like, they showed her kind of, like, walking through this, like, haze, and then they showed her, like, run into, like, a skeleton of something that possibly didn't make it through the wall. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, it was a cool effect and it was claustrophobic as hell. Cause you could only imagine if she ran out of power halfway through there, how much that would suck. I mean, she probably, she'd be atomized basically, but it was a very, it was a cool effect. Um, so what else you got? I, I, I really enjoyed the show. I think it's very well crafted. And the, one of the things that I found interesting was that this, this essentially is an original story. Because while it's based off of a comic, mm-hmm. the main character in the comic is Sister Shannon, who was actually killed in the very first episode. So she's been relegated to a uh, supporting role. Mm-hmm. And the the main star of the show, the character named Ava Silva, is is completely original. I mean, she she was made up specifically for the show. So I, I'm I mean, given that, I mean I think I wonder if the, the comics 
kind of stand as a prequel if they're like keeping that as canon that'd be interesting because that would actually oh, make it worth be. worth going back and reading this or finding them that that would that would be really neat yeah yeah and I, I another thing i do happen to really enjoy is when there's shows like this that and they do the flashbacks to like battle sequences and things that led up to it so showing showing some of the, like the old uh crusade battles i thought those were really well done and really interesting yeah. and when they do it to to a uh, put little pieces of the puzzle back together, which I think is a, a very useful way of telling this story. Um, there's a little bit of treasure hunting in this, or is that what it's called? You know, like solving problems or trying to mm-hmm. unlock clues to, to find stuff. And I thought that was, I yeah. liked that aspect of it. Um, was there anything that drove you nuts? Um, well, I know one thing because you texted me angrily and everyone else that is on our patron only chat room. Yeah. Yeah. Screw you, Netflix. They, um, Rob has anger issues. They, oh my God. They, they ended the season on a 100% leaning out over the cliff, looking down into a black void of nothingness kind of cliffhanger. I'm like, what? (laughs) You're gonna end it there? Oh my god, I hate you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah, there was a couple twists at the end that were awesome. And that made me want it to go on. And I kind of wish that certain co-hosts of mine didn't warned me that it was ending on a cliffhanger because then I was very aware of the time of them. You know, like usually I just let it play and I don't pay attention to which episode I'm on. And on Netflix, you always get that one extra episode at the bottom. That's really just a trailer Mm -hmm. or a making of or something. And I would see, I I knew it was the last episode. Yeah, Um, I did too. I was very aware that it was the last episode. I didn't need a, uh, I didn't. Yeah. But you'll be all right. I didn't spoil nothing. Yeah. The, uh, as I said before, I think the thing that just going back to what we started, what I'm hoping we started, uh, the thing I absolutely loved was the effects and how it pushed the story forward. Uh, there was one thing I, that did drive me nuts and it, it, it drove me nuts at the beginning, but less so at the end. But I thought that if this girl was basically locked up in a Spanish orphanage from the age of seven to, I guess, 20. She was aging out of the orphanage, so whatever year that is. That's 12 years. Yeah, so she was she was 19. She was going to age out at 20. So if she was locked up in a Spanish orphanage, she was... And the orphanage nun was, like, completely crazy bitch. And the only person she clearly talked to, because she was basically stuck in a room in a bed that looked... It looked like a, the bed you would see in, like, a World War One movie or World War Two movie that after right. someone gets, like, shot... Uh, I thought she was a little too hip to like modern lingo at the beginning that pulled me out of it just a little bit. Cause if the only person she was talking to was a young kid and like, and the, uh, the, um, you know, the nun and they were clearly, they would be speaking Spanish if it's Spanish, whatever. But like, it definitely seemed like she was just, there was a few like joke patterns and things that she said. So I was like, she wouldn't know to talk like that. Like I, th- I thought she should be a little bit more like, um, oh, uh, the robot movie that we loved with the like cyborg girl that 
falls from like where she was like a little bit clueless at the beginning but they it kind of see like it kind of changed itself later on so this is like the first two or three episodes the dialogue wasn't Talking great. about alita alita yeah like i thought she'd, she'd be a little bit more like innocent early on mm-hmm. but they they did sort that out so it was just a, a little thing i noticed i'm like oh i hope they start and don't start doing like you know making references to pop culture and stuff but then I think when the group of people and they, she kind of meets up with a group of people and then she starts showing her actual innocence. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're good. Mm-hmm. They found the character basically, which happens. It's not yeah, a big deal. They did. Yeah. So other than the main character, who is your favorite? Uh, I did like the shotgun nun. Shotgun Mary. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would probably be my favorite. The, the nun with the scar as well. I like. I don't, I don't. Is it Mother Superior? Yeah, they're both kind of badasses. But mm-hmm. They all they all have their pluses. Like, there's no one that was that was completely jarringly annoying. I I I, I kind of like Beatrice. Which one's Beatrice? The she's the one that was helping train her to walk through the wall. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I like that part where she was walking through the wall to train or not that part, but the, when she goes through the wall the first time and her foot gets stuck, mm-hmm. it was such a visceral, like that's actually why that that's the scene that made it realize how much it would suck if you got stuck in the middle of the wall. Yeah. So I, I, I would also like to give, before we move on, I'd like to give a little nod. Um, the, this apparently is a first her first comic book feature where she was given or she had a supporting role uh, for a stunt woman Guillomar Alonso it's her first comic book feature where she has a supporting role she had she has been a stunt woman in the comic book features uh, Hercules from 2014 Avengers Age of, Age of Ultron Wonder Woman Kingsman the Golden Circle and Justice League so she's been in quite a few comic book movies and this is the first one where she actually had a supporting role. And she played uh, Ariella. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like in the in the flashbacks then? Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Cool. So I think both of us, for both of the things we talked about, I highly suggest watching. And I'm guessing everyone out there listening did. Uh, because, of course, they As it's this. been the number one in the country for yeah, like a week. Both of them have. Uh, speaking of number one, okay, never mind. Uh, it, it's a news <laughs> item, but speaking of number one, do you know what the number one movie in the U.S. has been for like the last two weeks? Empire Strikes Back. It totally is. <laughs> and before that, it was Jurassic Park. That is excellent. Yeah, that's going to be Old one driving. of those things in like ten years where it's going to be like a trivia contest question. Like, what movie hit number one this many years after it came out? Because it's like a technicality. Or like, what movie had the least amount of money but still hit at number one? <laughs> It'll be that. Uh, okay, so moving on, I think we both say watch both of those things. It's definitely oh, worth checking question. out. Stream it. They're definitely worth your time. Yep. And now for something completely different. Our movie of the week. <laughs> I see what you did there. Our movie of the week. Rob, should we tell them what it is or should we keep it top secret? Oh. <gasps> I hate myself. <laughs> you said it. You said it. 
So our movie of the week is, in fact, the 1984 classic starring Val Kilmer, and that is Top Secret with an exclamation mark. Was released on June 8th, actually my brother's birthday, June 8th of 1984, not the same year. Was directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker, so the Zucker brothers and Abrams. And the writers were Jim Abrams, David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, and also Martin Burke. Stars Val Kilmer, Lucy Gutteridge, Peter Cushing, Jeremy Kemp, Christopher Valers, Michael Gauch, uh, Omar Sharif. The movie actually had a budget of $9 million. Wow. And I, I don't know how many, how many, I, I can't count how many times I haven't heard this because I think this is the first time I've ever heard it, that they actually came in under budget. They finished the movie at $8 million. There was one movie we reviewed, that we did recently that came in under budget. I forget which one it was. Okay. But it was like rad or tag or something along that era. Okay. That was what we were, but, but it, it made its money not, back because not that much under budget. Okay. That's impressive. It, it made its money back and finished at, and finished gross at about almost 20.5. It was like 20.485. So it was almost 20.5 million. So they, they made their money back. Hmm. And this, uh, this movie is right up my alley. I know I've said that on a couple of movies, but it, as Greg put it, this was the Zucker brothers and Abrams kind of feeling things out. You said that you saw you saw a lot of their influences with later movies where they actually really hit it big. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, they, one, I, which I realized I, I said that and then I realized, well, they actually hit it big with Airplane, but that was a completely different. Oh, OK, they did Airplane first, but that was a very different type of process. So I was actually right. But Airplane was a movie that already existed and the mm-hmm. story was already there and they just threw jokes on it. OK, this movie, they had to come up with the plot and then throw jokes on it. And make sure, and they were still feeling out, making sure the jokes didn't get in the way of the plot, or the plot didn't get in the way of the jokes. And it was it was a little more of a difficult process than doing something like Airplane, right? And and I I I forgot how much I love this movie. It it is just random enough to make it funny, but it's still coherent enough to make it not suck. Because we've all seen those movies where they're they're just or those shows or movies or whatever where they're so random and at some point you're like, oh, God, none of this is stringing together. It's just it's just stupid. It's just people trying to be funny and just like putting up one scene after another that don't really make sense and it's not really a movie. What am I watching? This is crap. So it's coherent enough to make it not suck and it's just random enough to be funny. It 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 definitely hit my comedy sweet spot. I remember this movie very specifically from back in the day, a certain friend of mine uh, that we've talked about on the podcast periodically, but I never say his name because he's fairly private. Um, he very much wanted to see this movie. And it was one of those like, you know, you go over to your friend's house and you're like, oh, I rented RoboCop. Let's watch that. And then the next day or the next weekend, you go to your your house and you watch, rent something else. But this was one of the ones he was talking about forever. And... So that was the one time I saw it, I think. I think I rented it one other time. But I very distinctly remembered, like, one scene about this movie. And it was because my friend thought it was hilarious, and it was the, uh, our friend, actually. Uh, it was the scene with the the antenna in the car. like there was Oh, yeah. 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 And I was like, okay. But then there, it was, a lot of the other jokes kind of got lost to me back then. Um, 
And, but as I said, it's, it's a, to me, it's a fairly uneven movie, but the jokes that are funny are hilarious. Mm-hmm. But then there's other stuff that's just not up, like basically, which we'll talk about. I'm sure the, some of the musical sequences, I'm like, uh, this goes on forever. And it's a pace. It's more of a pacing thing with that. Like, well, one of the other things that I really loved about this movie was that there were so many like visual gags mm-hmm. that you kind of had to be paying attention to because it, it wasn't like, like in today's movies, when somebody will do a gag, they'll call attention to it and they'll force it in your face. So you see it and they're like, Oh, look what we did. Look what we did. Isn't yep. this funny? Don't you like that? And in this movie, Giant they glowing just, arrows pointing at stuff. <laughs> yeah. And in this movie, they just kind of threw the gags out there and then just let them be. They're, yeah. they're like, oh, here, you know, you see it or not. And it's one of those things that it's it's possibly something that you could pick up on later viewings if you missed it the first time, mm-hmm. because they just they literally just call no attention to it. They just throw it out there and move on. And I, I love that. Well, like I, as a, during one of the music sequences, I kind of lost track of the movie. And my mm-hmm. mind started wandering. I'm like, oh, I got to go back because I know I missed something. And like you're what you're saying is I immediately noticed there the microphone stand. As he was like leaning out, like the microphone stand it was, was like, extending, was like twenty feet long and extending. Yeah, I was yeah, like, and it was the, just like a, it's such a throwaway gag, and it's not like anything that you would like laugh hysterically at, but it keeps you in the mood for when that next actual funny gag comes in. It's like yeah, little laugh, little laugh, little laugh, ha! big laugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it's been so long since I've seen a movie like this. Like I can't remember the last one of these. Can you? Like not top secret, but like. Was it like Scary Movie 4? Yeah, I wouldn't even... It, it would probably be the Naked Gun movies would be the closest comparison. Well, I'm just talking about this in general, like the, the parody type movies with like all the, like the weird like like Naked Gun, uh, Scary Movie, like the parody satire movies. Like this is actually a satire of, of Elvis movies and World War II movies. But... And which a lot of people don't get most of the time. But mm-hmm. like I can't think of right. the last one of these that came out. So it's been a while since I've seen one. And I knew it was one of those. And like the first time there was a gag that happened, I was like, my mind went to, oh, I think I just saw a mistake. Just for like a moment. I was like, oh, wait, no. (laughs) Because like the first opening sequence actually looks kind of serious. And then like, I forget where it goes from there. Where like someone says something or something happens and you're like, oh, it's one of those movies. Yeah, I knew that. But I just forgot that those Mm -hmm. movies exist. Um, Good. And and like I said, I mean it's all it's all really well done. It's it, the delivery is fantastic, and they just they just let it be. And and while I, while I was watching this movie, it really kind of brought me back and made me remember in, in the way that they deliver their visual gags. It really made me think of a movie that I've talked about in the past, and that's Hudson Hawk. Mm-hmm. And and Hudson Hawk is another movie that I absolutely love, and I think it's really underappreciated because Hudson Hawk does the same thing but they do it with with dialogue jokes. So they'll say stuff like one-offs and 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 just let it go and not really call any attention to it, but there's so many like little subtle subtle jabs and jokes and everything in the dialogue for Hudson Hawk where if you're not paying attention, you're going to be like, "Man, this movie sucks. It's terrible." blah 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 because a lot of the comedy from Hudson Hawk is in the dialogue and if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. And this one is very similar in that if you're not watching the screen, you're going to miss a lot of the, a lot of the cheap laughs. And, you know, I say cheap, but I don't mean it in a bad way. It's, it's a, Hey, here, you know, you're, you're missing a lot of the comedy if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. You've actually opened it up to, to, I can go two directions here. I'm going to eventually go down both of those roads. 
the verbal side of things in this movie, which there's a lot. Basically, this is this movie does take place, of course, when there was an East Germany and West Germany, and which sounds very weird saying East Germany, uh, East German, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of forget how weird that is and how much of a big deal the Berlin Wall falling was. Um, and like the idea of the like the East German communist, whatever. And there was just like all of these German gags where like they just played with the words and the the general German words. And then I think you said something about a lot of the words are not really German. Yeah, a, a, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they say in the movie is Yiddish. They're, they're, it's basically posing as German, which which in and of itself is funny. The fact that they're using Yiddish to replace German, yeah, is is kind of amusing. I noticed that a little bit because of the that one point when they're looking at a calendar and it, and something happens, he's like, "That's Simchas Torah," and I was like, "That is a very strange joke." Like the Jewish jokes were way more pre- way more prevalent in movies of the eighties and early nineties mm-hmm. than they are today. There was a lot more Jewish humor. I think the only ones today are like. You know Hanukkah jokes in a Seth uh, Seth Rogen film, mm-hmm. but the uh, like yeah, if you looked at some of the names of things, they were like German names. But if you like found out what they mean, there's you know like the hotel I, I think we said was like go to bed or night night yeah. or something along those Gay lines. or something. So yeah, I, re- I definitely enjoyed some of the language jokes. I enjoyed some of just the like making fun because back in the eighties, man, you know communism is thrown around. A lot now, but it was like the villains were communists back in the eighties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Rocky, this and like, and there was always those little jokes about like, oh, the communist countries are clearly going to be cheating at everything. So they, when thousand. they did, yeah, like so they did the uh, when they had the, uh, the East German women's team. <laughs> yeah, we're like giant dudes <laughs> with makeup. We're all bodybuilder dudes. <laughs> oh yeah, came out in dresses and and had little bitty breasts, and they presented the medals or whatever. It was hilarious. And it was like okay, and it was like totally okay to make fun of fun of those because like even when they did like the East German national anthem, like the word if you looked, I had the words up on the screen and they were mm-hmm. hilarious. And I forget what the, exactly they were, but they were so funny. And and interestingly enough, that that national anthem is actually a modified version of the Zucker's and Abrams High School alma mater. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do you have Do you have the words for that? The the words for the for no, I don't. For the it, it, one that they sang, yeah, no, ah, I have to, I'll have to try to find it at some point. But the, and it's not even like, well, people will get offended if you make fun of it. It's not that. It's just that these back then, these movies opened up in one country, and that was it. No one in East Germany was going to see this movie, so it didn't matter. But now, like, you can't make fun of any other country, or because it's going to like not, you're going to lose all of China, all that money, and there's a lot. So it's it's one of those things that really actually hurts stories in general, because you always have to have these made up villains now and it get you, you lose the history of it in a way. And it's all, you know, it's, it's something that even when like the new stranger thing series came out, it's like, Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> like there's the Russians, they're the villains again. So um, the words for the anthem. Yes. Hail, hail East Germany, land of fruit and grape land. <laughs> will you'll regret any try to escape. No matter if you take a running jump or tunnel under the wall, forget it. The guards will kill you if the electrified fence doesn't first. <laughs> that is the most accurate national anthem that has ever been read. Nice. Uh, so there's that. And the other thing that really stood out to me is, as you mentioned, as I said, there was two things that you mentioned that brought up other stuff. 
the other thing for me was the background gags and the like i absolutely cracked up with the giant pigeon statue which i'm hoping you noticed yes yes the people who landed on the giant pigeon statue and then peed on it yes and then they flew away and the pigeon statue took a shit (laughs) (laughs) i was like wow that is but the budget to build a giant pigeon statue that can actually be stood on and this is stupid for something that like was in the background as actual plot stuff was going on mm-hmm. is crazy to me. Yeah. Like that was, there was something else. There was and a... they still came in under budget. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other background things I wrote? Uh, I guess I wrote down the main notes here. Um... Well, like you said, the, the binoculars thing where the, yeah, he's looking through the binoculars, the like stuff like that, or the, you know, he's taught reading a note at the table and you hear the person that wrote the notes voice. And then it turns out he's standing there talking to like a, a little megaphone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, see, like that's the type of stuff. Oh, uh, the sh- the chandelier thing when he swings on the chandelier, it actually, if you, I don't know if you know, so when he pulls the chandelier down, you actually mm-hmm. see it go up outside of the window or like in the next room over. So it's like one thing. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. It's like a little thing, but it was like, again, one of those little like silly things that keeps you in that silly mood. Never giving you a chance to like not be funny, um, not be engaged because you're constantly looking for stuff. Yeah. The I thought the performance is really good in general yeah. for this. Um, I guess the Zucker brothers and the Abrams really liked to uh, pick actors that no one really knew mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. and also like to pick serious actors, which shows that you're right because like Leslie Nielsen. Became everyone thinks of him as you know uh, what I forget his name and Drebin Frank Drebin mm-hmm. picked Puff. yeah from from uh, Naked Gun or Police Squad and he, he was well, actually he, a serious actor he he was also the doctor in Airplane yeah yeah I am serious you know. and don't call me Shirley yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like he they were known for this kind of thing they did they like I looked at a list of the some of the actors that they worked with and a lot of them. You know, like Robert Stack, which we just talked about uh, mm-hmm. last week. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. And he wasn't known for that yet, but, you know, there was definitely that aspect of things where now you're seeing them be silly and it actually allows all this stuff to happen. And it, without noticing it or without me- the characters mentioning it, it makes it funnier. They're living in this weird world because as soon as they react to it, the fun, the comedy's gone. It's like, oh, you're getting pulled out. Uh, there was quite a bit of uh, dirty humor in this, which I liked. There was, and I appreciated that as well. Uh, ballet dancer schlongs come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Glowing boobs. Yep. And the girl what... laying flat on the beach with <laughs> her boobs in the holes. <laughs> yes. During skeet, skeet surfing. Which was weird, yeah. the But I think my favorite was the, I just can't bring my wife to orgasm. The whole anal intruder like, <laughs> yeah, on the and like and the fact that he's like opening up this box and there's like all these random like there's like a vibrating fist like and like, and then the fact oh that God. they that they that they addressed it later in the movie I, mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious where they were like apparently he's unaware that we use 220 volt uh direct current or whatever we found him impaled on this thing we could not get the <laughs> smile off of his face you know <laughs> Uh, there was, yeah, definitely that. The there was also a random 
Mel Torme reference, which I thought was very weird because, like, there, there How was, do we okay. know he is not Mel Torme? He's not Mel Torme. It's, it is very weird that there's something about the 80s that had this, like, weird vaudeville at, thing to their comedy. Like, Night, like Night Court loved Mel Torme. And I know mm-hmm. Mel Torme wasn't quite vaudeville, but a lot of the jokes in this movie are very vaudeville. A lot of the and a lot of like the references are like so dated and they seem like they were probably dated then. Very but, but they actually were okay. <laughs> uh what else? I I mentioned this I think, but I was very surprised at how much money they spent on the gags. Yeah. Well, and then then they went and filmed two and and I, I put this under stuff that I absolutely loved about the movie. My two favorite scenes in the movie were so well done. And I, I'm still left wondering, God, how did they do that? They've got the the underwater bar fight scene mm-hmm. that seemed like a really long, just extended cut. And everybody was underwater. And I'm like, uh-huh, what what happened here? You know, and um, it, it's just what it sounds like. It's like a Western saloon that's set up underneath the water and these two guys fall down there and they have this bar fight underneath the water. Yeah, so it basically starts off like an Indiana Jones movie, like a guy hanging on the side of a truck fighting uh-huh. with the dude driving the truck. And then they kind of do the little gag where they're trying to change the radio station and fighting over that. And then they end up jumping off of a bridge and land in the water and they're punching each underwater and then you see one like bar stool and it gets smashed. And then you see like another like table or something. And then all of a sudden you see a full bar underwater. And, and then a bartender. Yeah. And it's bun- of course, and then it, it just builds and builds and builds and it's perfect framing. Uh, it really the, is. The, the poker, like then there's a bunch of dudes playing poker and they stand up mm-hmm. and you know, it just, all of that kind of stuff is great. Yeah. It, really well done scene. And then the other one, which is something that I promised we would talk about is the reverse scene in the Swedish bookstore. Mm-hmm. And when the way that this scene was set up, they enter the, they enter the bookstore. And from the moment they enter the bookstore, the, the bookstore there, they have this unique sound. So I, you know, it's like they're tried to make it, you know, Swedish or make them talk differently than what they had been doing in the movie. But as as the scene progresses, you realize that there's something off. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't quite look normal, but it's not really until he he inhales the dust back onto the book that you realize the scene is running backwards. Mm-hmm. And it's so well it's so well filmed and so well acted. And I, I don't know how long they had to practice this because it really looks like they it what it looks like is it looks like they did the entire scene in reverse. They filmed it in reverse and then played it back and then played it backwards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I it, found a little bit of stuff on that. It did take a, a lot of takes, and it took even more takes because there's a dog in the scene that did not want to. There's actually multiple dogs in the scene, right? Um, that were very expensive. They said, and they did not want to behave. Oh boy! So that's a problem when you are like literally rehearse this thing backwards. It is not. A, it's not a short scene. No, it's not. And and in fact, the scene is exactly 88 seconds, which, by the way, is a palindrome, just like this episode number 141. And the scene actually plays the same forwards and backwards, or well, not plays the same, but you know, it it makes sense forwards and backwards. Mm -hmm. 
because the way when it runs backwards, you get the scene that's actually in the movie. And if it runs forwards, it all still goes one way. And the dialogue still makes sense because the dialogue is running forwards because the dialogue for that scene is actually the dialogue that you see in the subtitles just played backwards. That's interesting. The... I mentioned that this movie does have a lot of musical sequences. Um, and the, as I said before, that, I would say that would be the one thing I didn't like about mm-hmm. this movie. Fair enough. Because partially they ran on too long. Sometimes they were very jarring. Um, and if they were a little, if they, if they were a little shorter, I would have been okay with it. But like, mm-hmm. it did take me out of that mindset and in one point put me to sleep. Uh, so. I would say that's like the one complaint, but I think is a it's almost like a, a a history where we came from comedically. It's definitely one of those things that people should watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just so we, you mentioned the budget and stuff like this. It tech it did okay, but it didn't do as well as as Airplane, which of course made a lot of money. So the movie studio was like, "Oh, this next movie is going to be just as big as Airplane." Um, one of the reasons is, uh, did you see what it came out? Up against? No. Uh, it hits. It came out June twenty second, nineteen eighty four. The other releases June that 8th. came out. Hmm. It came out uh, June eighth. Uh, this is what this is what the article said that I read. Hmm. Okay. It was an interview with the Zuckers. Um. Uh, it was up against the Karate Kid, Pope of Greenwich, Greenwich Village, Rhinestone, um, and also the other movies that were in the theaters were Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom. Oh my god! Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, uh, and it ended up finishing seventh in its opening weekend. So it was up against like movies that people look back on as like these are the epitome of the of the eighties eighties cinema, yeah. But wow. it did have some long reaching um, jokes or long reaching, uh, I guess, tendrils. Uh, legacy. We'll go with Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who did the Lego Movie and have done other comedies as well, they they patterned a lot of their humor based on this movie. And now love this movie. Now you want you want some long reaching stuff. I do. I got a, I found a little tidbit while I was while I was looking that apparently I'm always concerned when you find tidbits. I know, right? But to ensure a proper fit for his makeup appliance, and we're going to be talking about Peter Cushing. Okay, uh, so that he had he was uh, he had the makeup appliance for the giant. Eye. The, the giant eye and that was another visual gag that they never really talked Literally. about but it was a reference to a role or uh, a role that he had i guess in another movie and i don't remember actual movie but it, like he was looking through a magnifying glass he's looking through a magnifying glass he pulls the magnifying glass and it's, it makes his face all distorted he pulls the magnifying glass away and his face actually looks like that yeah yeah so peter cushing had a life mask taken of his face so so that they could ensure a proper a proper fit for the makeup appliance. So he had a life mask taken of his face and the mask remained in deep storage for over 30 years until it was used by visual effects artists during the making of Rogue One. Oh, and they decided to bring to, back Cushing to for... generate CGI motion capture duplication for Cushing's facial features as Tarkin in in Rogue One. I thought I recognized your foul stench. Yes. Tarkin's life mask. Yes. 
That's cool. So I thought that was really neat, actually. I wonder, I still wonder. Like, it drives me nuts when you find out that, like, you'll you'll think some movie and people are like, oh, yeah, where's the original Dorian or whatever? Like, oh, I don't know. We trashed it. What? Like, yeah. You had so much, especially on that new Disney You kept show. a mask for 30 years of a which, dude. Which, <laughs> like, I'm glad that they did it. Like, there's so many oh, famous, so many famous movie props that are like, yeah, we, I don't know where, where that is now. Like, are you kidding me? I want the Flynn's arcade sign in my office. Mm-hmm. Where is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and actually that's not the only prop because this movie actually used a prop from another movie, you know. So so it used a prop from another movie and then contributed a prop to a different movie. Um but in was the scene the, was it the ballet dancer penis? It was not. No. But it was the scene where the the heroine looks down from the balcony when they're in the prop room that had all the blade propellers in it, which I thought was mm-hmm. funny. That was that was another thing that they never really, you know, it was just there and they let you deal with it. But she looks down from the balcony onto the street to see a bunch of hamsters and mice that are racing <laughs> back and forth with, you know, like cars in the street and stuff. Yeah. That prop is actually is actually a miniature from the movie Superman in 1978. Oh, cool. They they found it at the old Shepperton Studios and thought it would be a great idea to use it somewhere in the movie. So they did. It'd be so much fun to just walk around and like be like, yeah, let's put this in our movie. Yeah, Where? we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some of the other some of the other fun facts about this movie was that uh, some of the Yiddish that replaced the German was stuff like go bash your head in and go take a shit in the ocean. Um, one of the other things I thought was funny was that Jeremy Kemp, who plays the the east german commander or whatever okay he's wearing the blue max medal around his neck what's that it's from the movie blue max 1966 that he was in and his character in that film actually earned the medal by obtaining 20 aerial kills so it was a medal it was a medal that a character that he played in another movie earned and his character in this movie was wearing the medal. We are uh, we are getting chat information here. We are. I'm just letting you know. We, we don't really do a live chat room when we record, but there is some chat coming through our the um, patron-only Discord. Uh, and people are, are asking you questions about the question, which we'll be doing in a second. So uh, make sure – I did respond, but just want you to make sure. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's mostly what I have. Oh, uh I did want to look at some of the, you know, when I was trying to figure out what other, when the last of these movies I'd seen were um, Zucker Brothers, one of the Zucker Brothers went on to do Ghost of all things, uh, amongst amongst other stuff. But they, I looked up uh, Abrams, is that his Mm -hmm. name? Abrams. And one of the, the, you'll find this interesting, I think. One of the last, not last things, one of the things he did um, in the 90s, because he didn't do so many movies then. uh, He actually produced a movie and I think directed maybe a movie on the keto diet. In 1994. Really? Which is crazy because, like, people think that's just like, oh, it's a book that just came out this year or whatever. But it was actually, he did a, it was a, a special video, I guess, that he did because it, um, apparently it helps with uh, epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So and, he did that. a diet that's actually been in use since, I think, the 40s, I want to say. Hmm. But uh, someone actually wrote, like, I clicked on the movie to see what it, I clicked on the movie to see what it was about. And someone actually is like, in, like, 2011 said, this movie saved my daughter's life, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, if you like these kind of comedies, uh, definitely check it out. You can find it on Prime, I think. 
Um, I I don't know. I own it, so I watched my DVD. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's on Prime. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the cow part. We got to talk about the cow part. It's awesome. Oh, part's... how did I not have that on here? I thought I did. Yeah, it's one of the end sequences. Is kind of like a, I want to say Trojan horse, but it's not really. They, you know, people dressing up like a cow to basically mm-hmm. get into the top secret base or the the base by blending in with other cows, and it's just a funny, funny sequence. And like, was that like a real cow? The well, first of all, the cow actually was the movie poster. So yeah, yellow had, background with the movie. Yeah, they had a it. cow wearing galoshes in the movie poster, and yes, it was in fact a real cow. And they they described a little bit about how cows absolutely hate to have anything on their feet. So mm-hmm. they had such a hard time getting this cow to actually wear the galoshes. What they ended up doing was they cut holes in the bottom of the galoshes so the cow's feet would would stick through, and they fastened the they fastened the galoshes to the legs of the cow using Velcro. Hmm. Yeah, you can tell the cow is not happy. The cow was not happy about the galoshes. And like, what's weird is like in some scenes it's very obviously a real cow, but you can tell that they like spray painted dots on the side of it, I guess, to make it match the costume. I don't know. It was... <laughs> But it's just a funny sequence. It's, you know, it closes out the movie, or for the most part. And and how about the scenes where the the, the guy in the cow costume, um, they're in a cow costume, and the one dude d- insists on being the back of the cow costume, which and, is weird. That's the one you don't want to be. Yeah. Well, he, you know, why he did it. They show it to you later in the movie. He did it mm-hmm. so that he could shoot the guy that was in the front. Yeah. Um. But at one point, a a baby cow or a calf comes up to to <laughs> milk, and the guy's like, "We have to get moving. We have to get moving." And he's like, "What's what's your hurry?" And he's like, obviously very much enjoying the cow trying to get milk from the udder. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Why are you always in such a hurry? We we can we can rest for a minute." You know, it is, it's just like, oh, my God. And then it's at some point later, a, a bull finds him, and he didn't quite find that quite as amusing. <laughs> yeah, the oral sex baby cow gag is what I typed in. Yes. Onto the notes. And again, I could have put that under my little area of, of uh, off-color jokes, which made me happy. Uh, okay, so I let's should we do our regular question here? We did uh, – I guess we talked about our favorite things and our, our least favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, we just kind of mixed it in. Should they remake, revisit, redo this movie? Um, I don't, honestly, I don't think they should because I think, I think the movie for what it is, is fine just the way it is. And I really don't know that this style of comedy is quite as popular as it was. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it would do well. So, I mean, putting putting money into a re- and I don't know that that a bigger budget or bigger special effects would actually add anything to this movie. I I think I think a lot of the movie's charm is in the gags that they did and it's it's it works the way it is and I don't think it really needs anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. The it, there's an article I found that was really awesome. It was on screencrush.com. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called How Silly Can You Get the Tumultuous Making of Top Secret. Uh it Goes into a lot of things, particularly Val, which we didn't talk about, like Val Kilmer. Um, mm-hmm. Does mention a little bit of his health right now is not so good, but he's a Christian scientist, so he's got his own things. But he's actually pretty chill about it, and he talks about how he was like a little bit of a pain in the butt on the set, mm-hmm. but he kind of understood that because it was he was it was his first 
acting job and he had just come out of school and everything was supposed to work a certain way. And yeah, but beyond that, this article is really good. And in that article, the Zuckers are kind of chatting about the movie and they said that they really wish they had made an ending for this movie. They said that kind of didn't, they kind of didn't have an ending in Mm -hmm. mind said that they, they felt there was that. And they said that there was, they would like to fix that. And there was one line they wanted to edit out because they said it's cringeworthy, um, which is funny considering all the other stuff. Uh, do you know which line that would be? I do not. Uh, the li- talking about can I have sex with your daughter line. There's a line where I guess one of the characters is going to have sex with your daughter, but um, oh yeah, 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 that's that's in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah it, where uh, the joke is, the, they said the joke actually stands on its own. Where like one of the first things the guy says about his daughter, and then the other one's like, "Well, is she 18?" Which basically implies, "Can mm-hmm. I have sex with your daughter?" But they said they they didn't need that follow up. And I, I don't know if it's a, they said it's a crappy line, but they also said it's like not as funny as just leaving it stand. But gotcha. um, yeah, so I agree. But they didn't want to remove they... the joke. They just wanted to remove the follow-up. Yeah. Like the explaining of the joke. They said that right. the original joke should have been, was good enough and funnier enough, which it was. So um, I don't think it needs to be remade. Um, if they wanted to do a director's cut, I'm okay with that. I'd be all in for that. Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about this like chat room we have, right? Mm-hmm. Just know. a little bit. Yeah, and I guess the people, if you want to get in on this fun Patreon, uh, I keep on saying Patreon, but it's a Discord chat. Uh, you can do that by joining our Patreon. Just $5 a month will get you a whole bunch of stuff. You get to know what movie we're going to review so that you won't be spoiled. Right there. So that right there, $5, Rob. Like, you would never be spoiled on another movie again because you're going to know that you need to watch it before our episodes come out on Mondays. Before we talk about it. Yeah. Uh, you'll get access to the top five list, and you can, of course, you know, then basically uh, answer some of the top five list. In some cases, which we're going to talk about in a second, you actually even get to donate top five lists, things that you want to hear us talk about. There you go. True. Uh, there are some higher ranges. We do have a patron in that higher range. We do. Would you like to make up some stuff about them? Well, we do know that he is a patron of unusual size. It's true. And I'm guessing that's because he's got unusually sized feet. Oh. Or you, you know or what maybe they like say. The, maybe like the ballet guys. You know what they say about guys with big feet. <laughs> Hard to find shoes. That's right. They wear big shoes. Yeah. 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 Good work. Thank you, Alec, for being a patron of unusual size. And since we do have these patrons, one of one of them in our chat room did actually pick the question this week, not on purpose, but they were talking about it in the room, in the room. And I thought it was a good one. Rob, what is the question? The question is, give us five fictional foods that you want to try. I like that. So this is from TV or TV or movies. I'm hoping Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. what I did. Okay, I am going to let you go first because I here's my deal. There was a lot of them that I want to try. I am a weirdo mm-hmm. foodie. Well, honestly, I think Jimmy wants to go first. Oh, because Jimmy's not here, but he did send his list in. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, well, yeah, Jimmy always goes first, so we'll do that. And I'm going to adjust my list a little bit based on what other people say because there's, you know, I'd, I want to spread the gamut out here. So mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy has at number five, he's got Lub Lub, 
What the hell is that? Familiar with that? I'm That's not. the killer mushroom from Mom and Dad Save the World. Roast <laughs> Lub Lub. <laughs> At number four, he's got cheesy hell peeps. No. Okay, yeah. At number three, he's got the everlasting gobstopper. Nice. Strong entry, strong entry. At number two, he's got the big kahuna burger. Okay. And the number one fictional food that that Jimmy would like to try is roast pork. <gasps> you sick son of a bitch. I will mm-hmm. fight you, goddammit. I don't believe that that entire thing, I, he didn't tie, he didn't get one of mine at all. I have 10 things written here and he didn't get any of the ones that I wrote. Which wow, is crazy. I, I think he got one of mine. That's impressive. But I will. Yep, he got I, I one cut, of mine. I will cut him and roast him like a pork. Get him. Damn it. I would guess that Porg is a seabird, and you don't really want to eat seabirds. They are greasy and grimy, and uh, probably don't taste very good. Just saying. Very likely. Because I've read that book about the guy that was, uh, I forget the name of it now, the one that the guy was shot down and was in like ate a seagull. Ew. And he said it was like, it tasted like rotten fish. So, Ew. anyway. Well, but, we do have another one. Okay, go on. Another write-in, and this is from our our listener listener yes listener jubles hello matt hello but at number five he's got slurm ah uh, yeah from futurama at number four he's got snozberries and i think those are just fun to say snozberries what do they taste like well the snozberries taste like snozberries oh okay yeah i gotta yeah glad you picked up on that <laughs> I got you. At number three, he's got Ed's special sauce from Good Burger. Oh, okay. Probably I, his ketchup, probably I was going his ketchup a different direction with that because I thought it was some kind of porn thing, but you know, whatever. I uh, I couldn't do that because I, I don't do the ketchup mustard mayonnaise thing, and I guarantee it's got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go on. At number two, he also has roast pork on his list. What is it with you fuckers? I hate oh. you all. But at number one... He's got the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Nice. These are all good. And yet again, not on my list. Is it Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe? Isn't it the Galaxy? Yeah, it's Galaxy. Well, okay. I mean, I know there's um, Universe as well. Yeah, I left books out of it because some of the there's some books that have a lot of food listings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Good job. Well done, Jubles. Okay, Rob. You or me? You. We'll go with you because, again, I'm, I'm very intrigued because I want to see. All right. Well, I actually had an honorable mention. Okay. And I'll throw the honorable mention out there simply because I'm sadistic and I kind of want to know what it tastes like. I'm going to cut you if it's pork. Swear to God. It is not. Okay. It is, however, Soylent Green. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because what is Soylent Green, Greg? It's made from people. It's people. Yeah, good. That so, will be your that will be your podcast uh, potty award. P o d d y, not p o t t y. Yeah, for your dramatic reading of a was it Charlton Heston movie? Yes. Okay, go on. At number five, I'm going to put chocolate frosted sugar bombs. I know this was not TV or movies. But it is the favorite cereal of one Calvin. 
from Calvin and Hobbes. I love Calvin and Hobbes. I, I did too. When I when my child was born, I bought the compendium of all of the comics, and as you were reading, as I was reading through it, I would actually start crying. Oh <laughs> yeah. Go at on. Num- at number four, I'm gonna put Doozer sticks. Ooh, that's a great one from Fraggle Rock. I I really want to know what those taste like. I'm thinking like rock candy or something. I bet those are goddamn delicious. They have to be. Those those friggin' fraggles were just addicted to that shit. And they just kept destroying the poor doozer's work. Yeah, that's a good one. At number three, I'm going to put Klingon blood wine. Ooh. Because I definitely want to know what that tastes like. Go on. Nice. At number two, I have the Dragon Ball Z Sensu Bean. Because who who couldn't use a magical bean that automatically refills your energy? <laughs> Every time you make a Dragon Ball Z reference, I'm always like, what are you talking about? And then you explain it's Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. But my number one is is probably going to be the Everlasting Gobstopper. Damn, I am shocked that we didn't line up. Really? Did I miss one that you had that you thought I would have? I thought you were going to have butterbeer on there. Well, but see... See, and, and let me let, let me explain. We're, we're going to say the same thing here, probably. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that they have actually made. Correct. So butterbeer, the, the chocolate frog, the gray stuff, those things we can actually eat living in Orlando. Yes. Um, so that's why I bumped them out, but that's why I was assuming that they would be on other people's list, too. They were not on my list for yeah, that reason. Butterbeer, the gray stuff. Uh, Scooby Snacks, they made them. Because which... they're not actually fictional. Yeah. Anymore. So, okay, so here we go. Um, I was also surprised that Cupo Pizza didn't end up on there from The Jerk. Eh, it, it's essentially a cup of pizza. I know what pizza tastes like. Yeah. Okay. So my first, my number five, I went with a br- I went with bread. Ooh. Two different Lomb- types. Lombus bread? I did. I did go with Lumbus bread, but I also went with that bread from the Force Awakens, the portion where she adds the water. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was All like, right. I want to know. I, and honestly, I don't care about eating it. I want to make it. <laughs> I want to watch that happen. Uh, number four, I'm going to go to the office. Kevin's chili from the office. I don't know if you did, you probably didn't watch that, but no, not really. He talks about chili, chili, and how he's going to make it, and it's a big deal. And he drops it as he walks in to the. He drops the whole no! thing. No. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with some chocolate salty balls. Oh, uh, chef's chocolate salty I do. balls. And not only just chef's chocolate salty balls, but Schweddy's as well. Uh, yeah. Yep. Definitely ball. wanted to try both those. Probably the same recipe. The what thing that looks, my number two, the thing that looks so delicious when I watch it, the dumplings from Kung Fu Panda. And I know it's a real food, but... Oh, I no. want a made by Kung Fu Panda, as long as I don't get panda fur in my mouth, you know. But number one, and this is legit something I've always wanted to know what it tastes like. Like every time I see it, saw it as a kid, every time I saw it recently, gummy berry juice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was always, right. like well, not then. even for the result. I was like, what would that taste like? And that's it, gummy berry juice would be my number one. Absolutely. It's crazy how many we went through and there was very little. If, and I think there was no crossover. Was there? Uh, Everlasting Gobstopper. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's nuts. 
That's never happened before. That feud crossover. So very cool. Guys, you listeners, if you're still here, next week I get the pick. Is it and to Jimmy next week? It's me. Okay. And while I did want to force Jimmy to watch another eighties bikini movie. <laughs> it's so I swear to God, at some point I'm gonna make you guys watch Zapped. Flesh Gordon, something uh, like that. We are going to go to a movie that I have not seen at all, but is fairly classic. It is Dark Star, a John Carpenter movie, one of his early films before mm-hmm. Halloween. And I'm very intrigued as to what this is going to be all about. So Dark Star, if you guys are listening, that's what we got. Um, if you want to contact us, feel free. Contact us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, check us out. I've, there's some very cool things. I actually put some videos up of the Lego thing. I put a video up of us, of me unlocking or opening up the brand new GI Joe guys that I got with my kid, kind of a fun little live unboxing of those. Ooh. Speaking of which I may do the, uh, Ghostbusters. There you go. Uh, you can email us, give me five podcast at gmail.com. Feel free. Please, 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 please. It helps us out a lot. Leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. Uh, it pushes us up in the ratings and that is helpful. And of course you can check out our website, give me five podcast.com or our store. Give me five podcast.threadless.com. You could buy cool stuff and help us out because it pays the bills. And that is good because we pay a lot of money to have server space. We do. So thank you for listening. Good afternoon. Good evening. And fuck you, Jimmy. That's not nice. I was gonna. I thought you were gonna go with something about chocolate sweaty balls. No, oh. put them in your mouth. Yeah, put, put them in Jimmy. Sh- put <laughs> them in Jimmy's mouth. Put my sweaty balls in Jimmy's mouth. Yes, he'll be happy about hear that. <laughs> bye bye. Guys, we had a late answer to the question of the week, and I was able to get it in on our outtakes. So, the top five foods in movies from listener Alex Solomita. Number five, the strudel from Inglorious Bastards. That'd be some good strudel. Number four, the pizza from Pizza Planet. Now, you can get Pizza Planet pizza over at Hollywood Studios, but this is the uh, Toy Story pizza, and... He wants the real thing, or the real 3D digital thing. Uh, number three is excellent. Uh, that'd be the Stay Puft Marshmallows from Ghostbusters. Hopefully not the big walking one, but the, the smaller, not going to burst through your chest type. The Blue Milk from Star Wars. Uh, that is different than, the, I believe, the green milk that was squished out of that weird walrus beast in the more recent Star Wars movies. And number one... The Big Gahuna Burger from Pulp Fiction. Excellent choices, and thank you for writing in.